Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. I'm Reuven Ben Shalom, sitting in this week for Jonathan Hessen. Earlier this month, a huge dam on the Dnipro River in the Kherson region occupied by Russian forces in southeastern Ukraine was blown up, flooding vast areas. Each side in the war predictably blamed the other, but the weight of motive and opportunity pointed to Russia, as it was in the process of hampering the imminent Ukrainian counteroffensive. While not unprecedented, such acts in war are rare in modern times. Are they effective, moral, legal? Could their perpetrators be tried as war criminals? And considering all the above, is the threat of going to such extremes credible as a deterrent against a comparable act, such as the use of weapons of mass destruction? This is an issue of universal implications, but it has a specific relevance to the Middle East with its dams over the Nile, the Euphrates, and the Tigris, along with other rivers and waterways. Should policymakers and planners in the region be concerned lest someone, perhaps a terror group rather than a nation state, try to emulate the Dnipro sabotage? Joining us today are Major General in Reserves, Guy Tzu, formerly the Chief of the Infantry in the IDF and Chief of Planning in the General Staff, Brigadier General Reserve Don Gavish, formerly Chief of Air Defense in the Israeli Air Force. Welcome, Don. Thank you. And of course, our very own Amir Oren, editor-at-large. As is tradition, please get the ball rolling on this topic, Amir. Thank you. Let me start uh, with an anecdote. Um, after Saddam Hussein occupied Kuwait and threatened to launch rockets, perhaps with chemical or biological warheads into Israel, and no one knew whether he also had uh, anything in the uh, nuclear um, dimension. One of the top officers in the Israeli general staff suggested that Israel blow up the uh, Euphrates dams and flood uh, much of of Iraq, obviously uh, also uh, hurting civilians not only the infrastructure and the Iraqi uh, armed forces. Obviously, too, uh, this idea was shelved immediately because it would have been considered a war crime. But a desperate nation with its back to the wall and threatening, perhaps in order to deter another nation, because a terror group is more difficult to deter, could very well use such a tactic and let the uh, various institutions handling war crimes worry about it after the war, again, if this is existential. So as you said in your introduction, the Aswan Dam was obviously uh, a target, at least um, in deterrence parlance. The Renaissance Dam, now in dispute between Ethiopia and Egypt, could come up in conversation um, if the uh, nations uh, sharing the Nile waters are not uh, happy with with the compromise. So yes, uh, while uh, we were all uh, surprised to see whether it was the Russians or the Ukrainians uh, blowing up this dam, it could happen again. 
General Tzur, what's your perspective on this? Of course, we're sitting here in Israel looking at it with Israeli eyes, but viewing this as a military officer, and we always have our considerations, our targets uh, legally, are they legal military targets, but how do you view this from afar, even though we don't know exactly who did what? Well, I think that in the old world, and uh, I will define it in a minute, in the old world, a nation acted according to their interests. And I think that it is not in the interests of any a nation to make an extreme action that is not reversible and, and it could be a war crime and uh, it will not end the, the war, it will just make it more extreme. So if uh, I take it to our region, the, uh, the thinking about a terror action according to the uh, nuclear umbrella of Iran can be something that is uh, similar. Uh, and I think that everything that is uh, too extreme also in war will not be profitable to the country that uh, does it. But I think that we live in some kind of new times, new era, in which uh, many leaders are against their nation. If we take Putin, we understand that the interests of uh, the uh, Russian nation wouldn't be to invade uh, to Ukraine. I think that if we look uh, on uh, Trump and his uh, dreams what to do with uh, other uh, countries and with uh, Russia. I think that uh, this phenomenon makes everything un, um, uh, uh, un unacceptable, un unexpectable, unexpected. Um, so, you know, I think that it's a very extreme times in which we can't expect what leaders that uh, are demagogues, uh, many of them that are politicians that looks only on their interests and not on their nation interest. We can, we can see it in Israel now. You can see in Israel a leader that acts against the interest of the nation and try to make it a dictator, a dictator instead of democracy because of his uh, guilt. So I think that we are in a, an era that is very much more dangerous than the old times when we knew that the nation acts according to their interests. Mm -hmm. Certainly, the general took it multidimensionally. Yeah. <laughs> Doron, how do you perceive this? Well, I think that, uh, you know, going, going back to the Ukraine uh, situation, and uh, I'm, I was looking at your uh, opening remarks, and I also believe that probably it's not the Ukrainians the ones that uh, they did it, it really shows about the, the position that the Russians are at uh, on this point. And uh, we've talked about this war for many times during our shows. And I think this is really, uh, what we could see here is that uh, Russians, mainly Putin, 
uh, they are in a situation that uh, they are really with the, with their back into the world. Desperate. And they, they yeah, exactly. This is really uh, someone who does like this, um, such an act, it, it looks like he is desperate. It, it looks like he's doing, um, he's one step um, before using a weapon of mass destruction. And uh, and you talk, with, we, you know, within Europe, there were a lot of discussion. Is he is going to use it? Is it only a statement that uh, there is nothing in the back of it? Well, I think that now uh, we are closer to this point that uh, it might <clears throat> happen. I'm sure that, by the way, if we would ask the, the, the people in Poland and in Finland, they would say it much before. Uh, we didn't really believe that this is something that could happen. So I'm very concerned. I think that uh, really this act uh, is, is more about uh, getting close to uh, using weapon of, uh, of mass uh, destruction. So uh, this is the first thing. I think the other thing, and again, you touched it on your opening remark, is uh, are we going to see organizations, terror organizations, state or, or other actors, that are imitating it. Uh, they see it as something which is uh, legitimate uh, to do. So I think on this, there is a big um, uh, role to the international community, to the United States, of course, but also to the international community. How do they behave through this act? Uh, because I think this should be a strong uh, reaction to it in all means, uh, starting with the legal means and, and, and any other means. But this is something that we cannot just look at it. We have to be very uh, proactive in, star in, in, in reacting on it. Mm -hmm. I want to take one thing that uh, Daron uh, says about the mass destruction uh, possibility. We could expect, I, I think that uh, Putin didn't expect to get what he got uh, in this war. He was certain, I think, that is, uh, uh, you know, military forces will prevail in a few weeks, maybe, with uh, not many damages, and they will be a hero. And I think that uh, he saw something that he didn't believe that he see. What we could expect is that he will not do another uh, extreme step, because he learned something. What is so concerned is that he didn't learn anything and he did the invasion and it was a mistake and it was an extreme act. Now he did the, 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 oh. the Nepro uh, dam and also it's uh, not something that uh, it will prevail. I'm sure that uh, Ukraine in the end of the day will prevail in this uh, war. So we understand that he doesn't learn from what he does and mm -hmm. from the the, the the results of what he does. That's more concerned about the mass destruction mm -hmm. uh, weapon. Amir, all this assumes that, of course, that this is a very extreme measure. Is it legal? Could it be that some planners sat and made a calculation that this is a legitimate military target in any capacity? So the um, operative uh, word, operative term, uh, which we all used here, is invasion. And uh, we uh, almost got used uh, to uh, um, fire being more important than maneuver, standoff, air forces, or perhaps naval air forces from aircraft carriers. And here we go um, back 
to uh, World War I or even the American Civil War with a ground invasion. Now, if someone invades your territory, um, you may be uh, justified in destroying your own infrastructure in order to stop the invasion, which is what the Russians did 200 years ago with the scorched earth in order for Napoleon or later Hitler to, uh, to have a logistic problem. Because, and General Grant or General Sherman too, in the US Civil War, if you burn everyone's um, grain uh, storage um, or wheat, then um, the population starves and the leadership uh, must uh, surrender. This was the, the old thinking. So first of all, if you do it to yourself, it's probably legal. Um, you may have a domestic problem if the population uh, then rises against you. But uh, the enemy cannot uh, uh, proclaim that this is illegal and this would not be a war crime. And we have seen, for instance, bridges being blown up, let's say the bridges on the Rhine, before the U.S. Army or the British and Canadian forces tried to cross into Germany in 1945. The Germans were justified in destroying their own bridges. If you do it to the other side, this is probably a crime. If you are going to flood another uh, country's um, countryside, this must be considered a crime. But you know, for Putin, it won't be a crime because for his point of view, Ukraine is part of the exactly. Russia. So if we're going to this logic, So both sides could say that it's not a... And we have to remember that this is happening while the Russians are occupying this exact place. Also, if I'm not mistaken, the Soviets uh, bombed a dam on the same river in the Second World War, again, out of their own calculations of holding that place, of preventing the Germans from coming. That's true. Uh, there's a specific question I would want, would want to hear from you. It's strange for me that in 2023, with all technology, satellites, intelligence, we don't know what happened. We don't know who did it. And that's interesting for me also as in our region, in Israel, doing things. Is it still possible to do something of this extent, so big, so massive, and say, I didn't do it? In fact, yes, you see. <laughs> Maybe the Americans know and they're not telling us yet. But, but again, our region, our capabilities, what do you think? Well, I think that, first of all, the... Um, the capabilities, the intelligence capabilities of the Russians and of the Ukraine are very low. You can't compare their, uh, their uh, uh, capabilities to the Israeli capabilities. I think that if it would uh, happen in the Middle East, probably such an act, such a huge act, something like this, we would know Uh, um, for sure. I, Re remember the Balev line. We yeah, thought we knew, we didn't. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I think that the American has all the capabilities to see and to uh, to make a review, uh, back review and to uh, reveal. I don't know if they want to tell us who did it, but I think that it's not the issue. I think that uh, it is no way uh, questionable that Putin is a war crime, is a war uh, criminal. criminal. Um, 
I think that uh, most of the world is in the side of uh, Zelensky, even part of the world don't say it and don't uh, support it uh, actively like Israel, unfortunately. But still I think that uh, we know who is the bad and who is the good in this war. So if uh, the this action, you know, I don't believe, but if it would made it was made by the Ukraine, it's no one interest to reveal it. Ruven, let me make a remark and then invade your territory sure. and, and ask Doron <laughs> something. Um, the, um, the uh, remark um, has to do with the fact that um, we all assume a chain of command. Um, a very rigid command and control with Putin giving the orders and someone in the Kherson region executing. But we have seen, uh, for instance, with the Wagner group, uh, that there are several forces uh, at play. And maybe it was um, a local initiative by someone, perhaps a um, junior, took action without Moscow knowing about it before, and therefore American intelligence didn't uh, pick it up. Just a remark. Now, Doron, as, as uh, an air defense uh, chief, if you were tasked with protecting such uh, a target, and we know that there are infrastructure or strategic targets, power stations, there's a rumor that uh, not too far from Dimona, Israel had, has a very valuable uh, target to defend. Is it possible to do it, um, at least from the air, if it's a sabotage, if uh, there are saboteurs sneaking in? Mm -hmm. It's another problem altogether. How do you approach it? First of all, you know, if it would be from the air, probably, and you've, we've talked before about the intelligence part of it, and could we know who did it and so on, probably if it would be from the air, it would be much easier. Because really, to, to come from the air without any footprint is, is very hard, and probably it's, uh, it's almost not doable. Uh, so I think that um, uh, this is really uh, something that, and again, I'm, I'm referring to the, to the previous question, it's a matter of time, we will know. I, in, I think that uh, this is something that the UK intelligence, the, the American intelligence, other countries, uh, even within Ukraine, I think that at the end of the at the end of the day we will know who did it, and it would come out. And this is this is my uh, my estimation. I find oh, it hard. already know. Oh, maybe we already someone already know. I find it really hard to believe that it would go like this. But it but you know your estimation. It's it's this is something also that could be. So we don't know for sure. Now for the defending such an asset, um, and this is of course very uh, important asset and strategic asset. So there are the means uh, to defend uh, those assets. Every military, this is something that he does. Uh, and I'm a bit surprised, by the way, that there were not uh, any forces, Ukraine forces, in this uh, aspect or others that were taking is this uh, site as a strategic one and one that is needed to be defended because this is what you do. You, you, you look on all your strategic uh, assets and then you say, okay, how do I define, or I defended it. Uh, so the, the question is, yes, this is something which is uh, doable. There is no 100%, never in, in, in this world, but, uh, but for sure it is doable. But it is not very complicated, uh, although it sounds 
strategic uh, asset, it is not so complicated from an air defense point of view to defend such an asset. But if, it, if this is the case, uh, each military has its own doctrine, the Americans with their mm-hmm. electronic warfare, uh, others may send commando forces to disable. If this is uh, yeah. protected, maybe there will be preemption. The first target would be the air defense, and only then they will get to the asset itself. It could be also, but if someone is doing it, he would have to do it with very high volume of, um, of, um, of, fight, of, the, of the fight. Let's put it this way. So if he wants to do it without really someone knows that he is doing it, so I'm not sure that he would go and, you know, start a fight again. There's defense. This is too much uh, in order to do something without willing to have a footprint that you did it. So I, I don't see it really happening in, in this, uh, in this mm-hmm. case. Yet, yet we, I agree with Doron, but yet we, we have to remember that this is six months already a war. And when you are in six months war like the Ukraine... That, uh, 16. 16 months? Time flies. Wow. <laughs> February of 16 months. Yes. You know, you don't have enough Essence. to guard everything that you want. Yeah. And you have to, you know, to choose. The blanket and is short, right? The, the blanket is very short. And to think that Putin will do it, and I think that it is Putin and it is a, an order from uh, above, and I think that it will be um, exposed, in the, exposed in the near future. But to think that he will do it is very extreme thinking. Maybe that's why they didn't put all the assets that they needed to mm-hmm. take care of the... But, but General Tsur, you're an armor officer. And uh, obviously the idea, if the Russians did it, uh, we, we think that they uh, probably did, uh, likely or not. But let's just assume that it's the Russians and that the motive was to try and to stop or at least slow down the counteroffensive. Yeah. How effective is uh, such a flooding when tanks and uh, APCs and infantry and artillery move forward? Is it um, that effective against the maneuvering force? I think that it's very uh, effective. I think, it, you know, also when you do it, You have to understand why you do it and what you try to achieve in this doing. If you want to postpone uh, the uh, counterattack, it can be very, very efficient. If you want to change their uh, goals, I think that it is not uh, effective because they will do uh, the counterattack. They will attack because the Ukrainian, and I think that the Zelensky understand it, At least what I understand, what I assume is that the Ukrainian and Zelensky know that this war will end only when they will prevail in, in it. This Nazi uh, Putin will not end it until he will achieve his dreams and he will not achieve it. So I think that Zelensky understand it and he will uh, make the counterattack. So, and he will uh, continue... But is the terrain impassable, uh, or uh, does that mean that you have to bypass it 
by airborne forces, by some... Or to some, bypass or to wait. You know, it's two options. You, you, uh, it dries up. Yeah, but also, know, in a way, could there be such scenarios in the Middle East? Uh, something that we well, may I, face I try, as far as... I, I try to think about it. You know, in the Middle East, you can uh, take the Euphrates and the Tigris and say a war around Turkey or something like this can be something similar. But in our region, I don't see something that is so um, effective and uh, has immense influence on its uh, big region. I don't... Maybe Aswan, then. This yeah, Aswan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, this, but we, is not your, this is not your enemy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Maybe Doron, as the Air Force rep here, uh, <laughs> coming to do an, uh, an operation in this magnitude, could you... T- Walk us through what we would do as far as assessing the legality and the moral aspects of a major operation. Yeah. Well, I think this is one of the main, um, I would say, uh, means that uh, once we are looking on a, on a, on a fight, on a, on a target, on, on an attack, this is one of those main things that we are looking at. We are looking at what are the applications of what we are doing, uh, legal application, moral application. This is something in our agenda all the time. By the way, we see it in the Gaza Strip uh, when when the Israeli Air Force, the, the IDF uh, overall. But when we are attacking targets, this is one of the main things that we are looking at to make sure that what we are doing is is legal, is moral. So we we fight with those uh, values. Uh, so. For sure, this is something that uh, is being taken in consideration, and I'm sure that in Israel, if something like this would be considered, this would be this would be one of the main issues on the on the table. And by the way, and Guy mentioned it uh, before, um, when such a strategic uh, target is being attacked, this is something that it doesn't stay in the military. This is something that a very high level decision maker have to look at it, have to decide it, have to approve it, and probably the head of the state. So the scenario that Amir so, was talking about certainly would never happen here. It would, the uh, prime minister I, himself would have to... I don't see it. I really don't see it uh, happening. Uh, Israel is, uh, and the IDF overall is a very moral country. We, I don't see us doing something. Mm-hmm. Like but there was a Jewish underground planning to blow up <laughs> Temple Mount. Yeah. Again, but again, we're, taking we're talking, it multidimensional. But, but, uh, but again, no. He said it, it can't, it can't no, happen here. No, no, it's not what I was saying. I was saying from a state level. Yes. Uh, if there would be a terror organization, even Jewish terror organization, that could happen. We're nearing the end of our time, but really, in short, General, do you think that once something like this happens, it's a precedent that now that it happened, in a way, others could say, if they do it, I could do it. Really, in short, I think that uh, countries that uh, fight with uh, values and uh, moral uh, habits will not do it. And countries that don't will do it. And I think that it depends. It's what I said about the new times. When we have leaders that act against their uh, nation interests and they are, uh, you know, look only on their interests, it can happen. So if you ask me, which country it can happen in the countries that leaders are uh, Nazis and demagogues. Well, that's all the so, time we have for today. I want to thank our guests, General Tzu, thank you. General Gavish, four-star General Amir Oren. At least 40-star. I'd like to thank our viewers for being with us today. See you next time. Shalom from Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.